0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: The wait is finally over. It is time. The opponent preview episodes are here. And uh, the f- part one of the same place opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Seek Geek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting, your best, getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot marks great deals, a yellow dot good deals, and a red dot not so good. Use promo code ACAA as an Armchair All-Americans at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. And uh, part one of the same place, appointed preview is also brought to you by MyBookie. Between their live, in-game, betting, endless props, fantasy sports wagers, there is something for everybody to get in on at MyBookie. With the best player perks in the sports book business, they've been good to us and I know that they'll be good to you. The NBA Finals are in full swing now with the Raptors and the Warriors, the, the Bruins and the Blues getting it done in this, in the Stanley Cup Final. Plus, you know we have tons of baseball going on now that we're getting into the heart of the season. And MyBookie is hooking up my listeners all month. Visit MyBookie.ag and use the promo code BEARS100 when creating your account to claim your 50% bonus. Laying down a hundred dollars, now you've got 150 uh, to play with. That's my bookie m y b o o k i e dot a g promo code bears 100. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And it took some doing to get this episode done. We had some starts, some stops, some finishes, some technical issues, so on and so forth. I had three different guests and the third one was the lucky charm. We finally got it done. same place opponent episode number one as our opponent previews finally get underway with the New Orleans Saints and Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints podcast. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get the show started so we can get to our interview. It's my least favorite part of the LFL calendar year, But it is quite frankly my favorite part of doing the podcast, uh, quite frankly, are these opponent preview episodes, um, meeting up with old friends, introducing ourselves to new ones, and getting ourselves prepared as we sit down and try to learn what there is to know uh, about our opponents upcoming in the 2019 season from the people that know them best fellow fans that uh, that love their beloved as much as we love ours. So uh, what's going on, everybody? Larity back. Opponent preview episode number one, part one of the same place opponent previews. Uh, we are going to be starting with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints podcast will be joining us here uh, in just a few moments to get things uh, started, get things underway. Ross was actually the third person uh, that I uh, ended up getting on the line or on the hook for for doing the podcast and previewing the Saints. Um, we have a Saints show here on the Armchair Network. Uh, my uh, my my sister podcast, uh, the um, Saints Happy Hour. Uh, the one of the hosts of that show, Ralph Marble, was scheduled to be the first person I spoke to on Tuesday night. Unfortunately, he had a family emergency, had to back out at the last minute. Uh, for those of you who have been with me a while, uh, you might remember Tyler Raymond uh, from the Who Dat Dish uh, podcast. He was on the show when the Bears played the Saints back in 2017. I actually got uh, Tyler on the line, went through the interview, everything went great. And when I went back to listen to it, turns out that the Skype up update that I did turned off, like blocked all outside software from recording. So all I had was my side of the conversation, his was not and um when when Ralph dropped out I reached out to both Tyler and Ross to see if they would be available to coming on to be able to come on the show both responded so I was actually going to try to 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 divvy this up in a way to have them both on the show as far as my as far as editing is concerned uh I was uh, it's it's a good thing that uh, Tyler's uh, show didn't have to uh didn't wasn't able to be used I should say And, um, you know, I don't have to worry about trying to split it up between the the two guys and don't have to try to figure out how that's going to work. But, um, you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to keep anything that we uh, did with uh, Tyler. But uh, Ross Jackson from the Locked On uh, Saints podcast has definitely hooked us up. Uh, A lot of good stuff when we talked to him. And, you know, these are big games for the Bears this year Uh, week number seven we get the saints at home it's our first game after the bye and we all know how the bears performed coming out of coming off bye weeks uh last year you know we we get that hot three and one start we get the bye week after the first four weeks and then come and basically laid a huge egg against the miami dolphins uh week number six um you know we'll have to see hopefully and, and then in uh week uh what 12 13 whatever it was after our mini buy from the Thanksgiving game, we had ten days to get ready for the New York Giants and went out there and and our eight and three team that was on a five game winning streak loses to a three and eight Giants squad. I mean, that's uh, you know not good. The Bears are zero two coming off the break. So hopefully uh, Matt Nagy will be able to correct whatever he uh, didn't do to prepare the team uh, coming off of those breaks because the coaching tree that he's a part of, Andy Reid, is notorious for being a victor after bye week. So maybe he had to go back to the drawing board and, and get some, some tips uh, from Andy Reid on, on how to get his team ready to come off, of the, uh, come off the bye because we got the Saints coming off the bye uh, this year. So that's not a game that you want to sleep on, whether it's at home uh, or not. And that's actually one thing that's different from last year is that uh, both of our little you know, bye weeks, if you will, last year, we were on the road, first at Miami, then at New York, this year, I don't remember where we are after. No, we're at home both times, actually. We're at home uh, against the Saints after the bye for week six, and then when we play Detroit on the road on Thanksgiving Day after our mini-bye there, we're at home for the Cowboys. So maybe that's what was going on. We didn't, we didn't play well on the road, and we didn't meet expectations, or we didn't play to our opponent's level, uh, or, or uh, whatever you want to call it that went wrong with those uh, games. But nonetheless it's a big game week number seven the team should be pretty well established as to their identity uh, in the 2019 season by the by the time they meet each other uh there so it'll be very interesting to see how that one all uh turns out so but the saints are going to be an interesting team this year they play in that schizophrenic division that is the nfc south where where teams are, are in the playoffs this year they're out of the playoffs that year like in 2017 they had three playoff teams they had the Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers all made it to the playoffs in 2018. The Saints was the only team above 500 that got even to sniff uh, the playoffs. Everybody else below 500, uh, or, or, you know, or, well, actually, you don't get worse than below 500. but there you go. And, um, you know, so we'll see. Bruce Arians, the new head coach out there in, in Tampa Bay.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
1: they were. They went to the Super Bowl in 2015, a dud in 2016, playoffs in 2017, a dud in 2018. If pattern holds, they should be good this year. So we'll see. The Falcons, I, I chalk up last season, you know, to to the Super Bowl loser curse. Uh, they suffered a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and you know that that curse is real, man. It happens year in and year out. You lose Super Bowl, you tend not to be able to find your way back to the postseason the year after. There are some exceptions to the rule but it doesn't happen often so we'll see how that uh, that whole division turns out will the saints be able to hold everyone off again uh this year and represent the nfc south in the playoffs or will they be uh you know down looking up at at whoever reigns supreme uh in the south division this year uh before we get to our guest uh, you know ross jackson uh we have some news and notes and uh, real quick, I put a post out on the uh, on the interwebs uh, on Twitter and on Facebook asking you guys for ideas uh, for these shows, basically, um, because this is that time of year. Yes, OTAs have been going on uh, the last couple of weeks, but there's not a lot of news coming out of OTAs. Um, we have some today, thank God, but as we move through these episodes we have 14 of them. This is number one of 14. We have our same place opponents next week. We'll start with the AFC West. Then we'll have the NFC East and then finish off with the NFC North and our beloved Chicago bears. And when we get to the bears episode, we should be around early to mid July. Like, so we should be about a week or two out from training camp. When that episode takes place, there's not a lot going on in that time period. So there won't be much of anything for news and notes for me to do and i don't really like to just dive right into the interviews maybe i want to do a little something and i talked to you guys previously about doing like off the subject like something not related to football or not related to the bears and um i put that out there on facebook i've already got some interesting uh ideas um So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be starting to sprinkle those in, but if you have any thoughts, any ideas of your own off the subject ideas, uh, you know, anything but bears or football just to do a little something fun, add a little color to the show, if you will. So any ideas that you have there at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter and, uh, um, just search bears talk underground on Facebook and toss in uh, your ideas. So uh, we do have some news and notes today, some interesting news, actually. Uh, Trey Burton, it turns out, had surgery. Uh, we, we thought that Anthony Miller's shoulder repair was the only surgery that the uh, the Bears were going to have on any of their players uh, this year. It turns out Trey Burton, that, um, that, that groin injury that was bothering him or that kept him out of the Philadelphia game, the wild card game, uh, was something that they went ahead and had taken care of surgically. Uh, sports hernia surgery, he's been sitting out of uh, OTAs, but he should be ready to go by training camp, according to uh, Matt Nagy. I watched one of his press conferences uh, after OTA practice uh, this week. So doesn't sound like the Bears are alarmed or concerned. It very well could be one of the reasons why um, Bradley Soule is a tight end now, to add some depth to that room with uh, with Trey Burton likely out for the rest of the offseason season. But like I said, he should be ready to go for training camp, so we'll see what happens uh, there. Uh, Speaking of offensive linemen, uh, the Bears went ahead and added another offensive lineman to the roster. Offensive tackle uh, T.J. Clemens, a former Vikings draft pick. I believe he was a fourth-rounder out of Pittsburgh. Started 30 games for them his first couple of seasons uh, in the league. Did not work out in Minnesota. He spent the season with Oakland uh, last year, and the Bears just signed him today and uh, added him to the 90-man uh, roster. If it works out, he's got experience. He knows how to play the game. And, uh, you know, he was a talented uh, talented tackle, a talented offensive lineman in college. If it works out and the new scenery is just what the doctor called for, then, uh, you know, he could be a good depth piece uh, for us or at the very least could challenge Rashad Coward for that swing tackle position or maybe they uh, move him to the inside. The Vikings move their guys around a lot because they suffered a lot of injuries. On the offensive line, so I do believe that T.J. Clemens has clocked in some time at guard. So, can't hurt to add more depth to the interior uh, line. So, if things work out, that could be a good signing uh, for us. And um, the rest of it is just kind of fun stuff. Uh, apparently, the uh, the Bears, a group of the Bears, uh, went to the White Sox game today, but they had a little pregame fun at Top Golf uh, in the Chicagoland area. And Kyle Long posted on Twitter a video of James Daniels and um, uh, his golf swing, or what he was calling uh, a golf swing. It's only about a four-second video of James Daniels uh, swinging at the golf club and missing it horribly. Like he dug up more of the AstroTurf around the ball than he did uh, the hitting the actual ball uh, itself. Uh, so that was interesting. And at the White Sox game, a fan uh, posted online a, a video video of um the bears uh the various bears that went to the game it was the offensive line and mitch essentially that um were in the you know the suite or whatever wh- where the guests of the team or the white Sox were at and uh mitch uh, trubisky showed aaron Rodgers a thing or two about how to chug a beer uh for those of you who don't know the context of that story I believe it was last week um bakhtiari david bakhtiari the offensive tackle for the um Packers was at the Milwaukee Bucks Toronto Raptors game uh last week and when the camera got on him slammed down two beers I mean like just like just opened up his gullet and they went down the hatch then he points across the court to Aaron Rodgers who picks up his beer and kind of slowly sips it down he didn't chug it down like Bakhtiari was basically just pouring it down this huge hole in his neck and and uh uh, Rodgers was actually trying to drink it so that didn't go well for Aaron Rodgers. I saw a video of Matt Stafford showing Rodgers how it's done, and now Mitch Trubisky, of all people, slamming down a beer, chugging it down like a man out there, even though I I, I don't drink beer. It tastes like piss as far as I'm concerned. But chugging it down like a man, showing uh, uh Aaron how it gets done. And uh, so there you go. There's something else that Mitch is better at than, uh, than Aaron Rodgers is. Hopefully that will translate onto the field week one when uh, Mitch shows uh, A.A. Ron who the top quarterback in the NFC North is now. And then finally, uh, probably the coolest thing that happened this week, Nike released a commercial that featured three players, uh, the first of which being Odell Beckham Jr. uh, in his new Cleveland Brown uniform. We got Saquon Barkley doing like a little Spider-Man routine around New York City. And then finally, we we fade into the uh, Bears locker room, which had actual Bears in it. And then one of those bears morphs into Khalil Mack, who is in his bear uniform and runs headlong into a wall that, of course, breaks into a million pieces as he pours through it. Now, sounds simple enough. Go ahead and watch it and tell me that you weren't completely jacked after you saw that. You're ready for football to get started. So very cool commercial, very cool to see one of our own in that. And essentially, he was the main event of the commercial. So how, long, how awesome was that? So... That's going to do it for the news and notes. I'm going to go ahead and step aside and let's get this thing kicked off. Our opponent previews. First, number one out of 14, starting with our same place opponents and the defending NFC South champion, New Orleans Saints, with my new friend, Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints podcast. Kicking off our opponent preview series for the 2019 season, we start with our same place opponents, and for the first time in a long time, our beloved Chicago Bears did not finish in last place, so we're talking with first place teams uh, this year, and to help us kick off the uh, the whole shebang here uh, with the New Orleans Saints, from the Locked on Saints podcast, Ross Jackson. Ross, welcome to the show, man.
0: Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. Really looking forward to doing this with you, man. Very excited to be here.
1: And, and and Ross apparently is a is a globetrotter. Can't pin the man down into <laughs> one place. He's out and about in Los Angeles right now. So that's what the uh, the background noise is for anyone who wonders what's going on there. But uh, so Ross, you're new to the show. You're one of our new friends now. And the, f- the same questions I ask everybody when they come on the show is a, well, we already know where you are. You're in Los Angeles. Where are yeah, you? Yeah, I give you a little bit more detail, though. Right. I give you A little more
0: detail about right. why I'm out here. Okay, but.
1: <laughs> Where I, well, that's the thing. And the reason that I ask is that when I started having guests on the show to represent the various opponents that the Bears have played since 2015 when I started this, <clears throat> you are the rule, not the exception, as far as you living someplace outside of the market your team actually belongs to. So you're right. the rule, not the exception. It's an oddity to actually talk to somebody that's in the market of the team that they, you know, quote-unquote, represent. So, right, right. So we know you're in L.A., but where are you from originally, and do you have a favorite Saints moment that you'd like to share with us?
0: Oh man, that's great! Yeah, so uh, I'm out here in Los Angeles right now. I actually live in between, so I bounce back and forth. I'm originally from New Orleans, so okay. that's where I, that's the other like place and everything. So I'm uh, born and raised uh, in New Orleans, Big Easy, all that good stuff. I'm out here in LA right now because I was down at. I work uh, with live events as like part of the, the other job. Okay. And so I was actually at Disneyland in Anaheim uh, floor managing the big media grand opening for the new Star for Wars. For the Star
1: World. Wars. Nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm out here right now. And I love sharing it because I, I know like a lot of people are excited about it and everything like that. And I just want to confirm for everybody that I talk to, it is as dope as you expect it to be. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say.
1: Uh, Very nice. Very nice. And it's
0: probably my favorite Saints moment, man. I know it's a little bit cliche, but, you know, this franchise – has only gotten, you know, been to the Super Bowl once, won the Super Bowl, and the big game-changing play there, of course, was Tracy, Tracy Porter's Porter, pick yeah. six. And I love everything about it, from pre-snap when Jonathan Vilma made the adjustments that got Tracy Porter in position to jump the route, and then of course all the way through, you know, the the pick, pointing to the end zone, celebrating in Miami, party with the Lombardi, all that good stuff, man. I, I gotta I gotta give it to that. Between that and uh, Garrett Hartley's various uh, uh, successful field goals to get them in and through the Super Bowl as well.
1: Okay, I you know, that's I don't actually consider that to be the low hanging fruit. I would more think the low hanging fruit in Saints moments would be the uh, the block punt in the first game in the the dome after uh, after Katrina. So, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: And don't get me wrong, that reignited the entire fan base. And it was a beautiful moment, an incredible moment for the franchise and for the city. But really the culmination of, you know, that started that process Mm. Over the next three years that, you know, all culminated in that Super Bowl win.
1: Yeah, because that was year one of Peyton, year one of Drew Brees that, in New Orleans and, and everything. So it really was the the start of it all. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I, I think, uh, you know, when you look at that, that pick six, man, that just caps off those sort of three years of buildup. All of a sudden going from pretender to contender so quickly. Yeah. You know, getting guys like the, you know, Reggie Bush, of course, being drafted in 2006 as well, who was going to be the savior up until Drew Brees was signed. So, you mm-hmm. know, it was huge. It was huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that being a very odd offseason. Uh, yeah. Pretty much all around because the Bears in 05 had their first successful season in a long time, but we really needed some help. And we spent all of our money on defense. We spent all but one draft pick on defensive picks. Like, we had the number one defense last year why are we doubling down on defense when we need offensive weapons but what the hell do i know we made the super bowl in 2006 so you know but the same thing with with the saints having the number two pick going into that draft everyone's thinking okay leinart's going to be the pick Mm -hmm. you know he's going to be the pick then you sign breeze which opens the door to okay well then it's definitely going to be um mario williams because reggie bush is going number one and then, right. like, two nights before the draft, oh, wait, Mario Williams has already signed a deal with the Texans. So now now the Saints are going to have to take Reggie Bush. And Sean Payton is drooling over his Reggie Bush-Deuce McAllister backfield that he can yeah. uh, work with now. So, yeah, it's uh, that was a very odd offseason and, and culminated with us meeting in that NFC title game uh, mm-hmm. that led the Bears to the Super Bowl with an unfortunate ending there. Three years later, you guys managed to go to the same place in Miami against the same team. Oddly that's enough, right. the Colts. Yeah, but that's you guys true. came out on top. And Tracy Porter, I remember uh, that moment. And of course, Tracy um, Porter had a very small career renaissance in Chicago. Um, that's true. Before yep. uh, before finally calling it uh, quits. So, so we've talked about what you know favorite Saints moments. How about we talk about probably what your least favorite Saints moment would be? Uh, thanks to recent uh, events. Uh, I I seem to remember something possibly happening in the NFC championship game that Saints fans are are, are a little bit peeved about. Would you you like to explain that to us? I mean, for those of us who have been living under a rock for the last six months.
0: Uh, I I simply have no idea what you're referring to. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, man, yeah, of course. uh, So, you know. Uh, NFC Championship game against the Los Angeles Rams, one game away from the Super Bowl. Saints are in good position to close out the game, yeah. you need to pick up a first down, run the clock down a little bit, kick a field goal, potentially put yourself in the position to win that game. And of course, any number of things could have happened. The Rams could have blocked said field goal, yada yada. You can look at all of it, but um, you know they were in at least a higher percentage chance of being able to walk away with a win in that game. And then you know you get the uh, the swing pass out to uh, was the target was Tommy Lee Lewis. They of Roby Coleman comes. makes majorly early contact to which he owned up to at the end of the game saying yeah "Yeah, i was beat so i was trying to try to make a play so that i didn't get you know if i didn't if i didn't get to him that was a touchdown and that's just you know somebody playing smart took a chance and i guess it worked out because bill vinovich and the rest of his crew just kind of stood around and looked at one another like uh y'all know who's coming over for dinner tonight and then just completely missed everything going on um you know and there you know there's there's the whole whole shebang that came out around it and everything of course no penalty called there it was a clear pass interference penalty right um you know saints go on they kick the field goal then they couldn't the defense couldn't make the stop the game gets tied up on a long field goal by greg the leg and then uh into overtime saints get the opportunity to uh, you know they get the ball first all they got to do is score a touchdown all quote unquote they got to do is score a touchdown uh doesn't work out drew brees gets pressured throws the ball up john johnson with the interception and then defense can't hold again and then long field goal and the rams head to the super bowl to you know put up a whopping three points um yeah and, and you know, participate in one of the boring most boring super bowls
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: we've ever seen uh and you know it's just not really the way that you wanted to see the year end especially with the way that the year ended the year before
1: oh god uh, in yeah. the
0: divisional round yeah with the minneapolis miracle miracle yeah yeah. And so, uh, you know, not not really the way you want to go about that. But, you know, I mean, it's it, you know, it's just one of those things, man. It's tough. But, you know, you had uh, 2012, the suspension year with uh, Bounty Gate. Right. 2013, not a great year. Uh, then they, you know, they well a great year by the team, but then they get, uh, they get bounced in the playoffs. Then you got 2014, 15, and 16, all back to back seven and nine years with historically terrible defenses. And yeah. all of a sudden, you get this competitive team. 2017 wiped out by a miracle. 2018 wiped out by a no call. So, uh, yeah, it led to a lot of frustration. It was kind of a tipping point for a lot of the Hudat Nation, especially because this was something that was completely out of everyone's control. Yeah. And, you know, you can go either way with that, right? You can either say it's better that it's out of their control because they're focused on fixing what they can control and you can sort of, you know, put up some blinders towards what you can't and focus on what you can uh, a little bit of the Zion Williamson mentality if you will. Mm-hmm. And then uh you know it, but it just it was one of those things that sort of like brought everybody to a head across the fan base you saw you know the Super Bowl um you saw Super Bowl boycotts the Super Bowl boycotts in, um in New Orleans you saw uh you know Mardi Gras was a big you know Mardi Gras built on polit- uh, you know, built on satire yeah. built on parody and so there was a lot of uh representation of the no call there you saw um cam jordan showing up to the pro bowl wearing a shirt that says blow show blow uh, blow whistles not games uh so you know there's a lot you know people are people are um were very vocal about it within the organization you know new owner gail benson after the passing of her late husband tom benson who's been you know essentially the patriarch of the new orleans saints for quite some time yeah and uh you know so she was very vocal about it and she's really done an amazing job as a new owner both of the new orleans saints and of the new orleans pelicans and so uh, done a great job with them. And so you saw her become more vocal about it. You saw the players become vocal about it. Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas always takes to Twitter, but Michael Thomas taking to Twitter to tweet out the rule and the rule book that says that, you know, you can replay a game and all this other stuff. And really just, you know, just, uh, just yesterday on the 30th, uh, some more fans took this whole thing to court about trying to get a reversal of the game. So, like, people are still mad. People are still upset yeah. about it. But the franchise itself, the organization and the players, they're moving forward. Uh, most of us are moving forward um, because it's really the only option that you have. You know, I mean, you got two Super Bowl, two two teams that you felt like were Super Bowl rosters, back-to-back yeah. seasons, that got bounced by a pair of miracles, essentially, or a miracle and a no-call. You got to imagine 2019, they've done some things in the off season to really help improve certain parts of the offense, improve certain parts of the defense. And then, you know, you got to hope that that Super Bowl roster maintains in 2019. And you got to sit there and say, you know what, this can only happen so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. You got to figure that the bad luck is going to run out uh, mm-hmm. eventually, or try to figure out who on the roster, you know, let a black cat walk in front of them or who, mm-hmm. who opened an umbrella indoors or something like that. That's right, curse, right. the, curse the franchise. Cause the Minneapolis miracle was one thing. I mean, talk about a freak moment, and the way that all went down. And Stephon Diggs manages to stay in bounds, and um, yeah. you know that that rookie safety whose name I'm forgetting at the moment. He uh, Marcus Williams. Yeah, there yeah. you go. He that I, can anybody has anybody ever asked him what he was doing on that particular? Because it looked like he was trying to avoid Diggs, or like th- did anybody ever ask him what it was he was trying to do on that play? Because yeah, I never found out.
0: It's kind of ironic in hindsight when you take into account what happened with the Saints in 2018, but his thing was I was trying to avoid making contact too early. Can you believe that?
1: Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so,
0: you know, he was trying to make the smart play, quote-unquote, and then ended up, you know, coming in a little bit more ginger than you'd like to see yeah. uh, and ended up missing the tackle and whiffing on it, just trying not to make contact too early. And, and took out know, his teammate was, at the same time. Yes, exactly, exactly. I think it was Ken Crawley that was trailing back there with him. And so when you look at that uh, and then you look at 2018 and the way that everything went down for Nikel Robbie Roby Coleman, you kind of go, hell, you should have just
1: hit him. Yeah. <laughs> you should have took him out early. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's crazy. And then, of course, like, you know, like you said, the the no call and I, you know, I, I had a lot of feelings about that. I mean, in the moment, I was a Saints fan because I actually wanted to see the Saints play the Patriots. I thought they were the better matchup. And it turns out I was probably right about that. But considering how the Rams ended up playing. Um, but, you know, it's it, you know, the immediate fallout was I, I can't believe they didn't call that the Saints did get screwed. But we have overtime, so we'll see what happens. You know, that kind of thing. It didn't work out. The Rams end up going. I'm not happy about it. And more so because of how the Bears' season ended. Right. With with the block field goal. If we make that field goal, um, we go to the Rams, and there's no way. I I, no. I don't see the Rams beating the Bears. I don't. No. So it's I like, don't here either. I am watching the Rams skate by. Like, they lucked out and not having to play us in the divisional round and smoke the – cowboys then they come into this nfc championship game and give them credit where credit's due they were behind and they came back and made it a game yep. yep they came back but they they get this miracle of a no call that opens the door for them to be able to win now they're in the super bowl and they lay one of the biggest eggs ever scoring three points by one of the most prolific offenses to ever play in a uh, super bowl so it's like it was all very bitter for me to see it happen the way it did, but. I kind of got exhausted probably obviously not as quickly as most Saint Fan did but kind of got exhausted in the 2 weeks leading up to the Super Bowl with lawsuits and replay the game and and all that kind of stuff and I, and I, I I get it I completely get it you guys mm-hmm. got screwed it sucks and there's nothing that's going to fix that other than either the miracle of them reversing it or 2019 finally coming around so you can fix it so right you know right. It's like, I, there's like I feel a lot of different ways about it
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that made this thing really swell to the to really to the just almost unbearable place that it got to is because, you know, administration in terms of the organization of the NFL was silent
1: for two weeks, yeah, never
0: addressing anything, never really talking about it. They, you know, they called Sean Payton after the game and said, that's on us. We missed that call. But. We heard that from Sean Payton, and that was it.
1: Yeah. Nothing
0: from Goodell until, uh, gosh, I think it was around Pro Bowl time when we finally <laughs> heard something from him. And so I think that that was a big part of it too, because you know, I mean, something like that happens, and then you come forward and you say, "Look, we can't replay the game. There are there, because there are stipulations that." don't allow for you to do that. And the only circumstance in which it's okay is if you can find foul play, right? So if you can say, yes, Bill Vinovich didn't make that call and his crew didn't make that call because, you know, they put money on the, on the LA Rams or whatever, you know, like you have to have something that blatantly um, that shows, uh, forgive me for using what is right now a hot button, word in the political uh, political sphere but you have to find some type of obstruction you know what i yeah. mean uh, there's but there was nothing like that and had they just come out and said that at the very beginning it said look there's no chance that any of this stuff is happening uh there's no proof that there was any kind of tampering or anything like that uh so there's nothing that we can do yes we missed the call the officials missed the call we'll handle that and we'll handle that officiating crew but as far as us moving forward we'll see the Rams and the Patriots in the Super Bowl in two weeks, period, right. done. If they would have just done that, I don't think that things would have gotten, would have swelled as much as they did. Not to put the fault on anybody else, but I just wonder how much different the situation would have been had there been some acknowledgement and a little bit of uh, accountability right after the fact.
1: I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, and you bring up an excellent point with that, that how silent the commissioner and the, the league in general were. I mean, we didn't really mm-hmm. need to hear from the commissioner, but to hear from the NFL in general, like some kind of a statement along the lines of what you said, Probably could have quieted it a bit, a down, a bit in in the chaos right. between the the title game and the and the Super Bowl that that maybe would have eased the tension uh, a bit. But you're right, they didn't say anything. Um, yeah, it was just you know, all quiet on the home front. Man. It was, it really was. So, yeah, what a bummer. And then the Super Bowl being what it was, and uh, you know, it's like I can't, I have mixed feelings about the Super Bowl as well. Number one, I have the bitterness of thinking that I thought the Bears would have had a shot at it. I thought mm-hmm. that Bears-Saints-NFC title game was the floor for the Bears, not the ceiling. I really thought right. that was the worst we could do, and then the Philly game happened, so I had some feelings right. about that. And then, so it's like, I, I had a, 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 you know, like I said, very bittersweet because I know that Belichick modeled what he did, and even though he's a brilliant coach and didn't need our help, but he modeled what he did to the Rams based on what the Bears did to the Rams on Sunday yes, night early football. this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I yep. mean, I know that – that he took what they did and used his own personnel to do something very similar and shut them down. So there's the sweet part, but the bitter is it wasn't us doing it, you know, kind of Right, thing. So, right, right. But uh, we, we move into the into the offseason, and one of the things that's, um, you know, I, I guess say a negative aspect of success is that other people around this copycat league want a piece of it. So they go mm-hmm. in, they try to take some pieces uh, from yours, they didn't get scalped quite as much as, say, the Rams did. Uh, you know, anyone right. that's even um, remotely associated with Sean McVay has a head coaching job uh, <laughs> now. So I mean, the the coaching staff got picked apart, but you did lose some some key guys. Uh, Alex Okafor heads to to Kansas City. Uh, Mark Ingram, who had a slight flirtation with the Bears, ends up with the the Ravens. Uh, ben mm-hmm. Watson retires, then unretires, then signs with the Saints and or excuse me with the Patriots yeah yeah, and then uh, Tommy Lee Lewis I don't know if he just wanted to get the hell out of New Orleans <laughs> or what the situation was there but he's in the NFC North and he'll be facing my Bears twice a year playing for the uh, Detroit Lions so which right. one of those guys or you know can you tell me what you're going to miss about the the guys that were talked about
0: well, uh, I'll tell you what Tommy Lee Lewis, first of all, everyone's gonna miss the jokes. Everyone's gonna miss the memes. Uh, I think that's gonna be the biggest part of Tommy Lee Lewis being gone. <laughs> uh, I certainly won't miss his six point. I think it's six six point seven yards per per kick return. Yeah. Return, rather. Um, definitely won't be missing that, or per return rather. Definitely won't be missing that. Saints really putting a lot of emphasis in the return game and perfecting, or really starting to improve uh the return game and special teams. So that's actually something that is kind of a plus uh with Tommy Lee Lewis being there because he gave you. He was kind of one of those guys. that Was a training training camp darling every year, but then once it got into you know out, out of the exhibition season, all of a sudden he was you know just he was just Tommy Lee Lewis. He wasn't the, the big returner that they expected out of them. So that's something that actually comes positive from his loss. But some of the big things um, you know when you look at mark ingram of course you you, you got to talk about the, the the camaraderie between mark ingram and alvin Kamara, the culture of the team which has become more of a, a popular thing within the last i'd say probably about five years of the nfl is fans really paying attention to team culture
1: yeah. and when you
0: have a team like the new orleans saints that and the chicago bears as well chicago bears are also oh, yeah. an excellent example For of sure. team culture um you know like club dub everything like that right so you have um you, you you have this big emphasis on culture in the NFL now. And Mark Ingram was such a staple of that for, uh, for the new Orleans saints. And so losing out on him, I'm not. I'm not really all that concerned about the loss of on-field production because again, he was out for you know a third of last season, or rather a quarter of last season, uh, missing four games early with the uh, PED suspension. And during that time, Alvin Kamara really got the load of that work and then put up excellent numbers over those first four games and just looked like the guy that you know looked like the next step from 2017, his rookie of the year season. And he really continued that throughout the rest of 2018, even after. Mark Ingram return, and so you don't really miss the on-field production, and especially signing somebody that has around the same skill set, just better size and better speed. And Latavius Murray is yeah. pretty good replacement, but the culture conversation and the community conversation is a big part of what you miss uh, with Mark Ingram. You can actually kind of say a little bit of the same thing for Alex Okafor. Alex Okafor was you know, a veteran leader presence on that defensive line alongside Cameron Jordan, especially with a young guy like Marcus Davenport coming in and a pair of other young guys on the interior and Sheldon Rankins, who, of course, is going to miss the beginning portion, probably the first half of next season when he took because of the Achilles tear that he suffered in the divisional game against the Eagles. And then you have David Onyemata, who was drafted the same year as him. So you've got some young guys over there on the defensive line. And Alex Okafor was a rotational, good veteran presence that was there for them. And so you miss that. You miss that leader and you miss his production. I mean, as a rotational guy coming in and getting four, at least four sacks in the last pair of seasons, where he was playing with the Saints, that's not blowing the, you know, blowing anybody out of the water. But also, he wasn't a starter. You know, what I'm saying right. he was coming in and he was playing a relief rotational role uh, with some, you know, developing guys like Trey Hendrickson and like Marcus Davenport. And so you miss him a little bit because of that rotational. Effectiveness And also his positional versatility. He was a really great guy to throw into defensive interior and NASCAR packages and things like that. Or you put him out on the outside and have Cameron Jordan take that sort of in defensive interior NASCAR package type of role. And so, you know, you miss you're going to miss that versatility. So it's not just about sacks. It's not just about tackles, even though he was really, really good against the run, much like Marcus Davenport. It's a little bit of the, the sort of the wrinkles that you can create with the personnel because of the freedom and the versatility that Alex Okafor brought to that defensive line. So you're going to miss those things. Uh, Benjamin Watson retiring, coming out of retirement, going to the Patriots. Glad to see him go back to the Patriots where it all began for him. You got to love that. But yeah. another cultural guy, you know, another cultural leader guy that's coming through and that, that you know, is going to be missed this season. And so um, he's one of those guys that he didn't, he didn't produce an entirely too much last season. Um, he was a nice option in rotation with dan arnold and josh hill but that's really the most of what he was he's an outstanding blocker for a tight end as well which the saints have become to emphasize a little bit more since jimmy graham was traded away in 2015 and so really you kind of miss the culture with him you miss his uh, flexibility and what he can do for you running seam routes running wheel routes and also being a part of that inline blocker as a tight end as well so those are some of the big things that you miss but you've got a great replacement in jared cook and so there's a lot of reasons to be excited even despite those losses with the additions that the saints have made over the offseason Lots of reasons to be excited about what this team has in store.
1: Right. So we, we replaced Jared Cook with, uh, or excuse me, we replaced Ben Watson with Jared Cook. That's probably mm-hmm. an upgrade across the board. Uh, right. Younger guy, more athletic, you know, going to be more part of the offense than Ben Watson. Was mm-hmm. Latavius Murray a bigger, faster version of, of, of Ingram? But w- what I also see in, in the big uh, signings that you had is that there was a lot of focus on the middle of the line on both sides, so you got yes. Nick Easton, the center, uh, um, Marshall Newhouse, and uh, Ryan Groy. Uh, you know, in- interior mm-hmm. offensive lineman. You drafted Eric McCoy in the second round uh, of the draft, the center out of Texas A&M. And then on the defensive side, uh, Malcolm Brown and Mario Edwards, to defensive mm-hmm. tackles in that four-three that the that the Saints play. So was this something that was really plaguing the Saints that interior offensive line uh, last year?
0: oh interior offensive line for sure you saw it start week 13 against the against the uh the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys yeah. yeah 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 that was a big big sort of that's kind of the exposure, right? You were talking about the blueprint that was created by the bears for the Patriots to use against the Rams, right? Dallas essentially is credited with creating the blueprint that caused the saints, a lot of trouble toward the end of their season. Now, of course, week 13, they lost and they didn't lose again until week 17. And that came after a 10, 10, win 10 game win streak after losing the opening game. Uh, so, you know, they didn't, they didn't really put too much out there for, to create a lot of concern. However, it was enough to, you know, uh, look at it and say, okay, <laughs> we got to address that because the injuries along the offensive line created a bit of a ripple effect. Uh, you look at basically Teron Armstead gets injured. The only other guy that you really trust at left tackle is Andres Pete, who plays left guard. You move him out to left guard. Jamon Bushrod was already injured and out. Uh, and so they ended up having to sort of plug in these reserves. You saw some Derek Newton. You saw some uh, some Will Clapp, 7th uh, round rookie out of 2000 and, 2017 or 2018's draft rather. Um, and so, you know, that created a lot of trouble for Drew Brees toward the end of the season uh, and, and really kind of through the playoffs. And so that kind of plagued them a little bit. And from the very beginning, Sean Payton was not at all. Um, coy about the decision to really work on the offensive line, particularly the interior, because one of the things that he said, starting from, starting from the combine on, Talking about how they need to improve and shore up that interior offensive line, and so you saw them do that, trading up from 62, yeah, 62 up to uh, up to 48 to snatch uh, Eric McCoy, who played 1,441 pass snaps, pass blocking snaps in college at Texas A&M, and only allowed one sack in his entire career there. So you look at that, you look at his speed as well. I think he was the fastest guy in the draft, under, I mean, sorry, over 300 pounds. Outside of Chris Lindstrom, if okay. I remember correctly, or outside of what he was the second fastest. Um, and so you know, you look at that type of versatility, and you look at the versatility of the running backs. You know, uh, Alvin Kamara, somebody that can play as a receiver, but then also affect the game as a running back inside and outside. You need versatile, mobile offensive linemen to sort of become those lead blockers on pulls, on outside zone runs, and things like that. So you look for that kind of quality in players, and they found that in Eric McCoy. Um, same thing going on with the defensive interior. Big emphasis there. You have Sheldon Rankins, who I mentioned earlier, is going to be missing at least half the season without Achilles tears. So Malcolm Brown is an excellent selection for them in terms of the nose tackle role. Mario Edwards is a great selection for them in terms of the three-tech nose tackle. For, uh, sort of the you know I was talking about Alex Okafor's versatility. You kind of see that in uh, Mario Edwards too, who's played all along the uh, the defensive line. And so you see them trying to shore that up too, because we don't know what's going to go on with David Onyemata, who had an off-season marijuana possession charge, and if that's going to resolve in a suspension. So far, no one in the organization has been notified by the league that that will be as such, but you got to prepare for that, too. So you see them signing another guy like Sylvester Williams, who played nose tackle for the uh, Denver Broncos 2015 won a Super Bowl with them. You saw them sign Kenny Bigelow out of uh, West Virginia, uh, undrafted free agent. So you see them really trying a lot of guys. Shy Tuttle as well. You see them really bringing in a lot of defensive interior guys to try to shore that up as well. I love that you mentioned Ryan Groy because he's somebody that I'm actually really, really intrigued by because he's played every single position along the offensive line yeah. since being brought in by, is it is that right? He came in with the Bears?
1: He was an undrafted free agent for the Bears, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, 2014 or something like that. Something and like that. Yeah, and since then, he's played every single offensive line position, so you love that versatility, and that's something that the Saints value a lot. They look at that in every position, not just offensive and defensive line, but you look at all of the other position guys and all the skill position guys that also serve well on special teams along various roles, gunners, jammers, returners, so on and so forth, and so they really value that uh, that that positional versatility, or I guess they call it uh, functional versatility in draft speed.
1: Right, so... We talked about Eric McCoy, and, and frankly, man, as a former offensive lineman myself, you got to be a heck of an athlete to be a center and be able to pull at the same time. Mm-hmm. It is not an easy thing to do to snap the ball from under center and then get out in front uh, of the running back, especially at the and at the NFL level, uh, especially you know with him in the SEC with the athletes that they have playing uh, down there, and and the speed that you mentioned says a lot about what he brings to the table uh, for the Saints if he ends up being the starter. Uh, for you guys is that is that what he's in line for or is that is Easton going to be the center or is he coming in to be an interior guy at one of the guard spots
0: I would say that all intents and purposes are to try to get Eric McCoy studied up as quickly as possible of course I mean everybody by now has seen the Saints offensive play calls and how they call two plays in every you know they call their their primary play and a kill play in the huddle and those are you know somewhere between seven to ten words a piece Uh, in those plays. So it's a big, big playbook to learn. It's a lot to learn. So they're working on getting his communication up. He's been taking mostly second team reps in OTAs so far, though yesterday and the day that was open to media, we did see him take some first team snaps. But mostly it's been Nick Easton and actually undrafted free agent Cameron Tom from a couple of years back. He came in 2016, if I remember correctly, out of Southern Mississippi. And so he's somebody that's also been getting some first team reps while Nick Easton has been playing at right guard because Larry Warford, starting right guard for the Saints, has been dealing with an undisclosed rehabilitating an undisclosed injury, which Sean Payton talking about undisclosed injury, what's the phrase? Name a more iconic duo? Like That's just the thing for him. So we'll see what it is that actually happens with that. But there are actually three people right now that are rotating at that starting center position, and I think they feel good about everybody that they've got, but I think all intents and purposes are to get Eric McCoy studded up as quickly as possible. I could see him being a week one starter, if not certainly by some time within the season, I could see him moving into the starting position, especially with the it's unfortunate you have a lot of talent on that offensive line over on the left side with Teron Armstead and with Andrews Pete, but unfortunately the culture has sort of become a when as opposed to if they're going to get injured type question. And so once that, starts to happen, then we'll see what happens to move everybody around. But thankfully, they've got a lot of uh, versatility going on. The, the the signing of Marshall Newhouse is big because they don't really have a swing tackle, but he could be somebody that could contend for that. Saints usually look at that sixth and seventh offensive lineman, almost like starters, because you have the interior swing and you have the tackle swing or the swing tackle, rather. And uh, those guys see a lot of playing time. So, so you know, they're, they're making the moves that they need to make to get a look at some guys in OTAs right now, filling up that 90-man roster and you know trying to see what's going to happen before they need to cut it down by the end of the
1: preseason well you know and that's the one one of the things about a team that has been successful on the level that the Saints have been a team like the Bears that has a very solidified roster the Rams uh, as well is that your 20 you starting 22 are pretty much mm-hmm. set so the offseason is more about either tweaking something adding depth and adding insurance and, you know God forbid knock on wood something happens to one of your right. starters so I mean, it's it's a very different focus that teams like the Saints, the Rams, and the Bears had this year, as opposed to a few years ago when they were struggling and they were trying to find starters and main contributors. And now it's it's more about finding those guys that can that can step up if needed, because we've got our twenty-two starters. Yeah,
0: 100 percent. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. I've mentioned on Twitter a couple of times that it's exciting to be a Saints, you know, to be somebody covering the Saints and also a Saints fan born and raised uh, as somebody that struggled through the 2013, 14 and 15 seasons. I'm oh, sorry, uh, 14, 15 and 16 seasons with the, those historically bad defenses. And the big concern right now is who's going to be the rotational defensive end with Marcus Davenport. That is a wonderful place to be as, as yeah. a fan, as somebody as a part of the Huda Nation and somebody that covers the team. That's an incredible position to be in.
1: Absolutely, and, and and very much the Bears are in the same spot mm-hmm. uh, right now. You know who is going to be our nickel corner? Who is going to be, uh-huh. you know, who's going to step up in in this spot or that one? Or who's our who's our swing interior offensive lineman going to right. be? Since since they both got signed away in in free agency, who's that going to be? And 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 whatnot as opposed to, we don't have a pass rush. We don't have right. a quarterback. We don't have a running back. You know, having to fill some gigantic holes and taking a shot with somebody you already know the answer to that question. Now it's a matter of finding somebody else who can you know, maybe contribute if he needs to, but mostly is going to be that guy that helps you out on special teams more than anything.
0: Exactly right.
1: So the rest of your draft, very much like the Bears, you only had five draft picks uh, mm-hmm. this year. Uh, the Saints seem to be allergic to draft picks because they just keep giving them away. <laughs> You're already minus your 2022nd rounder to move up to get – McCoy. And then was it was it didn't you package some picks to move up to get uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson as well?
0: Yeah, actually, uh, in that trade for uh, for Eric McCoy, they also recouped a 116 overall. And then they used that as well as one of their fourth or one of their fifth round picks to move up earlier in the fourth round. So not too terrible. Uh, Saints sure. still have maintained most of their picks for 2020. They traded away a seventh earlier uh, in that Teddy Bridgewater trade near the beginning of the season. And so right now they have a one, three, four, five, and six for 2020. But it's funny, like I talk to people about it a lot and I mentioned, and, and the, the analogy that I use, or really, I guess the, the, yeah, I guess the analogy that I use is that, uh, you know, it's, it's like when you grow up and you do something a very particular way in your home, and you just think that that's the way that everybody does it, and then you go over to a friend's house and they do it differently, and you're like, why do you do it like that? For (laughs) Saints fans, trading away future picks is just, that's what you do, right? Like, the other 32 clubs don't do that, and that's kind of what it's always felt like. But, I mean, being able to make a leap for a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, going out and drafting him in the fourth round, 105 overall, he's turned into, and I think can be considered, one of the steals of the Saints draft, uh, because he has... They've played him now throughout OTAs and rookie minis. They played him at nickel corner. They played him in the slot as a pass rusher. They played him on both boundaries. They played him at safety, and they uh, as a deep ball, single high safety. They've also And he has excelled in all of those places and has really impressed secondary coach Aaron Glenn. And Aaron Glenn's one of the better secondary coaches in the league. Um, And, you know, he helped really turn around that secondary. And, of course, the addition of Eli Apple last year made a huge difference for the Saints secondary. But getting a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who is somebody that looks like he's going to be able to make an impact his rookie season. He's somebody that is going to push for some playing time, especially in the nickel corner role over um, P.J. Williams, who had a good year last year, but also... He he himself had an off-season arrest for uh, for a DUI, and then uh, Patrick Robinson broke his ankle, which is not an easy easy. Uh, injury to recover from no. uh, early in the season. I think it was the third week. It was against the Atlanta Falcons, and so uh, you know, we we don't know really how how effective Rob is going to be. We don't know what's going to happen with P.J. Williams yet at the beginning of the season, and so Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is somebody that's going to make a big push for some potential playing time throughout this season, and I think he's going to get it because he has so far shown himself to be a really, really valuable asset, playing as a gunner as well on special teams in addition to all of the other positions that I've just mentioned, and that's just something that the Saints have done really well. They keep finding these guys that find ways to contribute all along the roster, which we kind of already alluded to. Uh, but it was a, a wonder, uh, just a really fantastic pick to land a guy who, in a lot of mock drafts, was mocked in the first or second round, early second round. To get him at the top of the fourth round is just an excellent get for the Saints. They got three of their top 70 players on their big board within the first 177 picks, which is, which is pretty good.
1: Yeah, the Bears uh, also landed a, uh, a guy in the fourth round from the SEC that was not supposed to be there in uh, in, in Riley Ridley, uh, yeah. a wide receiver out of Georgia. He was supposed to be like a second round pick that was somehow at the back of the fourth round still there for the Bears to take, and he has been a lightning rod in OTA so far. So I'm interested to see just how he's going to develop in that receiving core uh, with the Bears uh, as well. And you know, like you said, this, the the you got Gardner Johnson in the the top of the fourth round was probably going to be a late first, early second round pick. And there he is sitting there day three still waiting right. to hear his name called falls in your lap. And, and you know, he could be another. Um, oh, the receiver, I'm thinking I, I can't believe I'm a blanking on his name. Oh, uh, Michael Thomas? No, 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 uh, no. Was drafted in 06, was a rookie when, when you oh, guys made Marcus the Oh, run- Marcus Colston. Colston, there it yeah, is. Yeah, that's Fourth, the name right there. Were there were only like four <laughs> players drafted after him in the entire right. draft. Like he was that close to being Mr. Irrelevant, and he yeah. ends up being a stud from start to finish in his entire oh, uh, what career. what an incredible
0: career. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So speaking of seventh-round picks, uh, the linebacker out of Idaho, Caden Ellis. yes. This is a My guy man. that um, it's it's hopefully maybe this is an analogy that he can live to live up to, but his resume kind of reminds me a little bit of a guy that we had. Maybe you've heard of him, Brian Urlacher. Where, <laughs> you know, he's one of those guys that ends up playing like a million different positions and then goes to the NFL, and it's the team that that chooses him that ends up. Sh- You know, using him in the spot that will best utilize him. Like Erlacher was a kick returner. He was a safety. He, you know, Uh, caught passes, all that kind of stuff. Ends up becoming a Hall of Fame middle linebacker for the Bears. Now, obviously, Kate Nellis is a seventh round pick late in the draft, but his athleticism and the things that he did do in college, granted, it was at, at Idaho, but it makes him one of the more interesting guys that you end up picking in the draft.
0: Yeah, he was my guy going into the draft. I was pounding the table for Caden Dallas to the New Orleans Saints, and I was so stoked when they grabbed him late in the draft at 244. Uh, He's somebody that, I mean, look, we can talk about all the positions that he played. He was actually on on the Locked on Saints podcast on Monday's episode of this week, this past week. Oh, nice. Um, And he's an incredible dude. Uh, played a ton of positions. He's played all four he played all four linebacker roles at Idaho. Played as an edge rusher. Played he played three tech in one game. Even as a yeah, he was what he's what, six, three, 225, Played three. 220, three tech? Uh, three tech? <laughs> yeah, he played it was in the Washington State game if I remember correctly. And oh, he played wow. three tech. He was like, that was a very interesting game. And I'm like, I yeah, bet. sure. <laughs> he played some uh he played some uh some slot. He played uh safety for a while, he played um, oh, he was a tight end for a few sets. I think he had, uh, I can't remember how many catches, you know, 10 catches, 176 yards and two touchdowns, if I remember correctly, as a tight end at Idaho. And then he, in high school, played triple option quarterback on top of all of that.
1: Okay, and so, so this got... uh, this could be your defensive Taysom Hill.
0: That's exactly right. That's yeah, That's the big, big comparison for him, and I think he's going to be able to live up to that. Right now, the Saints are really focusing him down at uh, inside linebacker, playing sort of that Mike position quarterback in the defense. He's got the smarts for it. He's got the IQ, the game IQ for it. Uh, as you can imagine, because of all the positions he's played, he better know something. Uh, and so right. uh, they've got him really operating there, and he's really learning that role and getting used to checks and everything like that, and having a lot of fun. And people are people are excited about him. Um, you know, he he was in coverage on Thursdays on Thursday's game gave up a big catch uh, and a big gain on a wheel route to divine Zigbo one of the undrafted free agent running backs out of Nebraska uh, but also later on in the in the practice uh, got a sack as well and so he's he's showing his potential as a pass rusher as well and so he's he's a little bit more hot than he is cold and that's what kind of I mean that's exactly what you want to do as a 7th round pick
1: you know at 6'3 225 he's essentially a, a gigantic he's either a small linebacker or a giant uh defensive back do you does he have the speed to be one of those Hybrid guys like to be like a, like a day Buchanan who could be a, a hybrid linebacker safety kind of thing.
0: Yeah, he definitely he's definitely possesses the athletic profile for that. I think the Saints are going to try to keep that from happening and just try to sort of focus him down at one place for right now. But, you know, one of the things that he mentioned that he likes so much about playing linebacker is that he gets to that it itself as a linebacker is a little bit of a hybrid role the way that he views it, because you get to do a little bit of both. You get to do the coverage job of a defensive back, but then you also get to rush the passer like a down lineman. And so he he sort of sees it that way and he's built his athletic profile throughout his career as such.
1: All right, so we look ahead to to 2019, and and we've already talked about shoring up the interior line on offense, shoring it up a bit on defense uh, as well. You know what's what's going to happen uh, with the with with rankings? How soon can he come back? And and so on and so forth. What are some of the other like storylines that we should be keeping an eye on when thinking about the Saints in 2019?
0: Uh, certainly, Jared Cook. Uh, he's he's definitely turning heads so far in training camp. Uh, well, OTAs, I should say. Um, and you know, to be able to see how he's going to mesh throughout the offseason and then throughout the season, really a big deal for the saints to have another receiving body like that, because that was such a big sort of deficiency for them in 2018 was not having a number two receiver. And so uh, that was, that's huge for them and be able to watch how Jerry cook is going to fold into the offense. Uh, the other thing that I'd look out for is uh, Marcus Williams, man. Uh, like Marcus Williams struggled a little bit. This second season kind of had a little bit of that sophomore slump Ted. Had as many takeaways as he had his rookie season, really eliminated the deep ball, but did a lot of those jobs that the casual viewer doesn't know is happening. Right. Eliminating the deep ball keeping passes, you know, not being targeted, things like that. You don't really see that. You can record that now, uh, thanks to Pro Football Focus and other analytics sites, but it's hard to really understand that as a casual viewer. And so you can see that and say, okay, yes, he did. He he served his role as a single high safety, but didn't really stand out as a playmaker. So you want to see him get a little bit more of that playmaker role that he had when he was at Utah. So he's somebody that I'm watching, uh, the evolution of Eli Apple stepping into his second season. And then the other thing that I'm watching, of course, and, and it feels like this is an every year thing, is Drew Brees. Drew Brees is going to be, by yeah. the end of this season, 41 years old. I mean, we saw Tom Brady just win a Super Bowl at 41. Uh, but, you know, he's got Bill Belichick. Drew Brees has Sean Payton. So, you know, you can have those those pretty high expectations of him. But you can sort of see a little bit of that arm not being very spring chicken-like toward the end of the season, yeah. uh, last season. And so you kind of you, you wonder in 2019— if he's going to see that, if, you know, if you're going to see that same kind of regression uh, throughout the season, but with having an added weapon like Jared Cook that can be a little bit more of a body over the middle, a little bit more of a safety valve, it'll hopefully help him not take as much of a beating, even if the offensive line gets hampered a little bit, and also just keeps him from having to kind of gun so much, uh, which we saw a little bit more toward the end of the season when they were trying to fight their way out of leads and things like that, or fight their way back into leads and things like that. Um, sure. So I, definitely, Drew Brees is one that I would keep an eye out on, and then of course throughout. the the preseason you're going to be watching teddy bridgewater who's expected to become drew Brees' successor after the season if drew Brees indeed does retire after 2019
1: right and and that was something that i i i realized just just yesterday when i was looking at it is that as after 2019 concludes you don't have a quarterback on your roster that's right drew, drew Brees is at the end of his contract taysom hills at the end of his teddy bridgewater's at the end of his the, the the 2019 season is very important in where the Saints are going to decide where they go for, for 2020.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The idea with putting... Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year contract is that, you know, they're going to want to sign him to, to they're going to want to sign him to starter money if he becomes the guy in 2020. And so they put him on a one-year contract for this year. So that if Drew Brees does retire, then the hope is that they'll be able to re-sign him and get him into that starter, you know, that mid range starter role that, the the case Keenum esque era area sure. of contracts. Um, you know, 15 to 20, somewhere around there, maybe a little bit less. But, you know, to, to kind of re-sign him to that place. And then Taysom Hill talked just a couple of days ago about his his goal is to become Drew Brees' successor. As of right now, his big concern is winning the Super Bowl and doing whatever it is that he has to do with him alongside mm-hmm. Drew Brees. But his goal is to become the successor for Drew Brees. And, you know, Taysom Hill, only a couple of seasons in the league. But, of course, he took time off after BYU to go and do his uh, his mission. Uh, Sure. and, and so he's a little bit of an older quarterback as well, not super old, but you know, he's, he's pushing 30. Um, and so he, he's sort of got a little bit of time. You've seen some, you've seen him lose some time already. And so it makes sense for him that he would want to start to push to become that next guy in New Orleans as much as he can. So it'll definitely be intriguing to see what happens with the quarterback situation uh, after 2019. And of course, if Drew Brees does stay, then the Saints end up getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a pickle because they already owe him 15 million dollars next season, whether he retires, stays, goes, or not, regardless. Uh, and then they've also got all these other guys, Michael Thomas, Cameron Jordan, are due for extensions. Yeah. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is going to be going into his fifth-year option, as is starting right tackle Ryan Ramchek. Eli Apple, uh, did not they didn't take his fifth-year option with the intent of re-signing him to a longer-term contract, potentially after the season. So there's a lot of people that they'll need to re-sign uh, if they want to continue to stay competitive. And if Drew Brees comes back, then you really need to figure out how to balance the books and make that happen.
1: Yeah, that's what's coming for the Bears uh, as well. Eddie Jackson's going to be up for a contract. Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. is coming up. Leonard Floyd... Uh, you know, guys like that, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few people that are probably going to be wanting to ante up, uh, you know, for the Bears to step up to the table and, and, and pay them. And, um, you know, like I said, when you're a victim of your own success, these are the kind of problems that you have. That's right. But these are the fun problems to have. How are we going to figure out how to keep somebody as opposed to how are we going to put together a team that's worthy of the field? Uh, exactly kind of right. thing. So it's uh, these are the good problems. This is the good stress to have when you're a fan that's of an right. NFL uh, <laughs> franchise. So real quick before we let you go and we'll take a look at the schedule here, and the first thing that steps out to me is four. The first four games of the season <laughs> are against playoff teams. Yeah, the Texans week one at home on Monday night. You're at the Rams, which is a game I'm sure you're looking forward to. Oh yes, um, and after listening to you and and Brad on the crossover <laughs> episode today. I didn't think. Did you talk about anything other than week two? Because I think that I don't think I remember hearing anything much about you guys making predictions on the score in May. That's how I much know, this I game means to you guys. <laughs> You're already calling the scores before we even got to training camp. Week know, we two, bro. We're taking you down. We don't have a
0: roster yet. <laughs> yeah,
1: we don't even have a 53 man roster, and all, we're probably trying to still figure out who our 90 man roster is right now. Right. We right. don't have 53 man, but we're kicking your ass 23 to 21. <laughs> week two, bro. You're going down. You know, kind of thing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Then you're at the Seahawks, always a tough game, and then yep. home on Sunday night against the Cowboys. So those first four games, there's no easing into 2019 for the Saints. Mm-hmm. You guys got to come out guns blazing because you're playing some of the best that 2018 has to offer.
0: That's absolutely right. And with the team over the last – five years with the exception of last year. So it could be, could be that the trend is changing a little bit, but they're not, the saints have not been a very successful team in September. Uh, they lost something like 13 straight in September before they finally won a few games in September last season. So you kind of want to see them be able to come out and start off hot and then be able to, and then the tricky part is that if you start off hot, how do you maintain it throughout the rest of the season? Especially, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, bury the lead here, but there are some more very entertaining games throughout this season. And there's a couple (laughs) of other tough, tough stretches, uh, Throughout the season as well for the Saints, so they've got to be able to start off hot and then maintain throughout the 16 games.
1: Yeah. So after the Cowboys in Week Four, you got the Bucks, you got the Jags, uh, then that team in Chicago. I don't remember what they're called. Um, <laughs> but you're on the road for the Bears. I think that would be far more significant if the game was in December 20th as yeah. opposed to October uh, 20th. So the you know October Chicago in October is absolutely beautiful. So the weather won't yes. be a factor unless it's. Raining or something like that uh, with the wonderful footing that we have in soldier field. Then you, then you got the Cardinals that week nine by right dead center in the middle of the season. And then I think the other, the other tough stretch you might be talking about is like after the bye, four straight division games, including Mm -hmm. that very fun Thanksgiving stretch where you play three games in 11 days. So that's it. You start with the Falcons uh, week 10 after the bye. you're at the bucks, home for the Panthers, and then 48, you know, 72 hours later, you're playing the Falcons on Thanksgiving night.
0: Yeah, and in Atlanta at that this time around. Yeah, So yeah. Uh, so it's nice. I mean, I like the tradition. I like the new Thanksgiving tradition that Saints fans are getting to enjoy, some roasted turkey and roasted falcon on Thanksgiving. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> this one might be a little tough. I can see the Saints definitely splitting that series this season, having that holiday primetime game in Jordan uh, in Atlanta is a little tough but you know Drew Brees. the Drew Brees has played 7 primetime games throughout his throughout his career over 55 touchdowns over 5000 yards in those and still single digit interceptions in primetime games so he's somebody that's always been able to light up the scoreboard in primetime so you kind of hope that that magic continues to continues through his 19th season which is kind of ridiculous uh or yeah. let me say incredible um and so, yeah, Both, actually, yeah, that stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and so that stretch is a little that stretch is a little tough coming back. And then but the, the good news is that by by week 13, it's there's potential that the Saints can have their division wrapped up if they sure. if they play really well throughout there. And then they don't see another divisional a divisional game until uh, week 17, which could be completely meaningless if the playoffs, you know, if they've already got seating settled. So it's it's it could be good, could be bad, uh, but it's definitely a tough stretch, and they're going to want to be prepared for it. And so that's part of that, you know, extending the longevity. Sean Payton over the last few years has been really good off of bye weeks. Uh, ever since he really sat down and talked to Bill Purcell, so he got some great advice about how to utilize the bye week and how to work off of that. And you know, the difference between letting your team relax and then get letting your team get rest, two different things there. Uh, and so he's done a really good job off the bye week. So in in a way that. That four-game stretch of divisional games is in a nice spot because it's off the bye week, but it's so late in the season that you just want to, you just you just got to cross your fingers and hope that the longevity is there.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's um, because of of the 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 NFC South or at least last year anyway, it was not a good year for the NFC South in general. Um, not like in 2017 where three teams made the playoffs and right uh, and things like that. Last year it was the Saints and then everybody else as far as the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, was concerned the the Panthers, such a schizophrenic team, man. Absolutely, fifteen and one in twenty fifteen. They they crap the bed in twenty sixteen. They make the playoffs twenty seventeen. Last year they you know they start six and two and then lose seven games straight and everything. They, I I can't figure the Panthers out for the life of me. Uh, the Falcons I don't think just had Ron a, Rivera can't either. Yeah, <laughs> the, and it might end up costing him his job if it doesn't happen again this year. Right. And then the the Falcons I think were just the victim to the Super Bowl loser curse. Uh, yeah, anything, that and, and, and,
0: and some really major injuries on the defensive side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Major, major, injuries.
1: Yeah, they were pulling guys off the street by the end of the year yeah. in Atlanta. It was kind of messed up. And then, of course, the the Buccaneers are the Buccaneers, but they might actually be something because they got themselves a real coach now uh, mm-hmm. with with Arians and such. So that things might be changed. I mean, and also the NFC South is one of the more schizophrenic divisions of the whole. Yeah. worst. The first thing was like the first eight years or something that the, the division existed Mm -hmm. in 2002 and everything so it's it's always kind of crazy and quite frankly it's the nfc so anything can happen in the NFC. that's true it's the afc that you can read like a book it's like here it comes it's (laughs) patriots Steelers, broncos it's going to be one of them and you know every now and then the chiefs will pop up maybe the colts will do something but you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be pittsburgh or new england and then everybody else uh trying to trail in behind them in the nfc it is a revolving door It's one team this year. It's another team the year after that. There's always somebody reemerging in the NFC, which is what uh, makes it so exciting and frustrating all at the same time because (laughs) nobody can have that sustained success to always be in the conversation because the conversation changes every single year.
0: Right. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think the Super Bowl matchup odds came out not too long ago. And on the on the AFC side, there were only three teams that were named there. I think it was the Steelers, the Patriots and the Browns, of course, now trending upwards. And then over on the NFC side, I think it was five different teams in just the first top 10. Yeah. of the NFC, ma- I'm sorry, of the Super Bowl matchup odds. So it, it it's exactly there, man. It, the parity in the NFC is way, way more than that of the AFC.
1: Yeah, I really wish the AFC could figure that out because it's super boring seeing the Patriots make the Super Bowl every season. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention annoying because I I will go to my grave saying Tom Brady's not the greatest quarterback of all time. And I, every time the guy wins another ring, I lose the argument worse. So <laughs> what are you going to Yeah, do? I, think
0: you and, I think you and a lot of Saints fans would agree
1: right there. right. Exactly. I definitely think Breeze is a better quarterback than Brady. But, you know, he has Belichick and six rings to offset yep. what I think. So but anyway, you know, it's uh, it, it, I'm looking forward to this year. I'm looking forward to that matchup week seven. Oddly, both the Rams game and the Bears game, number one, are on the road for you guys. So that sucks. Mm-hmm. And neither of those games is national television.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's uh I mean when the Bears and the Rams play that's Sunday night football uh but when with the the Rams and the Saints week 2 that I mean at best you're looking at that game of the week game on of the Fox week. Yeah. and I think it's the same thing for the Bears I don't think that's a noon game for the Bears in Chicago so mm-hmm. I think you know you're getting that that you know it's like almost like a soft national platform where you're you're, <laughs> exactly. you're being you're being shown in most of the country just not all of it and it's right. odd that with where those three teams played and they just so happened to be playing each other again this year, that those weren't national TV games. Those weren't Sunday nights or, or even Thursday night or Monday night football games. They ended up being the the late game on, on, you know, week seven and week two uh, for the saints. I thought that was kind of odd when I saw that on the uh, schedule.
0: Yeah, same. And I, I, you know, I I expected to see, you know, maybe some primetime games there, as you're alluding to. And then also, you know, Brad and I talked about it with that Saints and Rams game. Uh, Why not week one?
1: Yeah. Monday night. Especially.
0: Yeah. Especially understanding. I mean, and the Saints get the first Monday night football game of the year, but it's against the Texans. And no no disrespect toward the Texans, but the storyline. It really lends itself to it being Saints and Rams to open the season yeah. and even having, you know, Saints and Bears toward the, you know, a little bit more into that December, more iconic Soldier Field type play.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But I'm not complaining that that's not the case. But you know, <laughs> you, you, you sort of sort of come to expect those kinds of things. But of course, you know, they, they had it different this year. They, they did all the uh, the automatic um, uh, algorithms and everything to create some hundred you know however tens of thousands of different of types of schedules yeah. and then selected one and everything and so um, so you know it just it's kind of a roll of the dice in a way
1: yeah yeah I mean I don't envy anyone who has to try to put one of those schedules together <laughs> like when I was a kid in middle school I created my own football league and me with no logistics to have to think of trying <laughs> to put together a schedule for a 32 team football league was impossible I would drive myself nuts because I would I kept repeating things it was just the bananas and somebody who has to take into effect that hey Bruce Springsteen is playing Soldier Field in October so the Bears can't play there the night after that concert because the field's going to be garbage or you know Shakira (laughs) is going to ruin the field in Mexico City so we can't have that game out there or or whatever (laughs) that's going to be so I mean I don't I don't envy those guys not to mention having to take into account every other sport as well right. college like, football everything like that year on. that uh baltimore won the super bowl they had to start the year on the road because the orioles were playing the same night right uh, kind of thing so <laughs> what a mess but um, anyway ross this has been great man thanks so much uh for for coming on um really look forward to having you on during the regular season and seeing where these two teams are after the first six weeks so i mean it's going to be interesting to see where we're at. and i believe you're our first game after the bye as well i think we're week Ah. six this year on the bye so um good news for you we were terrible (laughs) off the bye last season um that that first bye the first game after the bye last year was that miami game for the bears which was a disaster Mm -hmm. and then we had the the quote-unquote mini bye after uh, thanksgiving we end up losing to the three and eight new york giants uh last season so apparently extended times (laughs) off is not a good thing uh, for the Bears, or at least Matt Nagy hasn't figured that out just yet. So you have that working for you coming to Soldier Field that uh, apparently we, uh, we take it easy on the break and uh, we have a trouble snapping back into it. So we have that to look forward to. Have that to, look, uh, forward to. So uh, we'll look forward to talking to you uh, again in October as we get ready for that uh, game. But in the meantime, tell my uh, audience where we can uh, catch up with you uh, on Twitter or online or, or, or find your show.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you very much, and I definitely look forward to being back toward the rest of the uh, the regular season. We'll have you come on over at uh, Locked On Saints as well, awesome. get some uh, get some Bears thoughts for the listeners there. Uh, I, for me, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Acts and ASC. Uh, you can also check out the website that I write for, which is allsaintsconsidered.com, which you can follow at All Saints blog. There's also the ASC podcast as well that you can check out. And of course, you can hear me every Monday through Friday, thanks to the Locked On Podcast Network for my show, Locked On Saints. You can find it on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, stitcher and of course the himalaya podcast app as well so you go ahead and check me out there and i love hearing from everybody every team i'm a, I'm not one of those guys that's going to come at you if you're a rival team i want to know more about the team you know what i'm saying so i'm yeah. always looking for more information to share with the listeners so i appreciate everybody
1: and i'm on the same page with you that's why i do shows like this exactly because um, I'm, I'm, i've been doing this podcast since 2007 and incredible until we're up until the 2015 season these opponent preview shows were me sharing with my audience what I learned on my own about yeah. the teams. And I was like, well, wouldn't it be easier to have, you know, <laughs> the the Saints version of me on the show as opposed to trying to, you know, tell somebody, you know, gives a, a Bears fan perspective on the Saints. How about we get a Saints fan perspective on the Saints? So here we are. And that's why I do this. And I can tell you, man, I've never had more fun doing the show than when I have people, you know, from the other teams uh, on just because you know passion is like a shared language you know we, we right. come from different places we like different teams but somehow we're speaking the same language and we get each other immediately because you love your guys like i love mine and that's why we do this
0: that's absolutely it man just a blessing to be a part of it, man i appreciate you
1: all right ross jackson from the locked on saints and all thanks so much for being on the show man we'll talk to you real soon
0: absolutely my brother thank you
1: Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast, allsaintsconsidered.com. That's his blog. You can find him there and follow him on, uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, Ross Jackson, I believe it's ASC, All Saints Considered, ASC uh, on Twitter. Uh, great guy. Had a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, again, I want to apologize to Tyler Raymond for my uh, my technical glitch. I should have checked the settings after the Skype update to make sure that the software hadn't been blocked. And, and it really pissed me off when that happened because it's happened to me before so uh you can imagine how frustrated i was i know you guys don't like it when i talk about technical glitches but that one was just very funny to me that i let that happen and yeah anyway so i want to apologize to tyler he didn't get a chance to be on hopefully we'll have him back uh during the regular season but ross filled in uh nicely i thought we had a great uh conversation good rapport between myself and my new friend and this is a guy you want to be friends with. If he's coordinated live events that can get me next to uh, Han Solo and, uh, you know, George Lucas and, and all those guys, then uh, this is a guy you want to keep close. You know what I mean? He was at the – you know how many people are going to want to see that damn thing? And he was running the show today. How awesome is that? So, yeah, this is a guy we want to be friends with, <laughs> somebody who can hook us up to get into the to, to some really cool spots. So we'll see what else Ross is up to, see if he can get us in somewhere cool. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, anyway, look forward to having Ross back during the regular season uh, as well. And, uh, again, any off-the-subject off ideas, you guys want to hear that? I mean, if, if anything's good enough, maybe I'll turn it into an episode because, like I said, we have a couple of weeks between our last show, which will most likely be Lauren Cox coming in to help us talk about the Bears. Uh, that's always number 14, the 14th and final uh, quote-unquote opponent preview. And uh, then there's usually about two weeks or so between that episode and the start of training camp, maybe to uh, to fill the space. I'll do something like an off the subject episode, favorite summer movies, you know, something like that. So if you got anything interesting, throw some ideas out there. We'll see. uh, We'll throw them at the wall, see what sticks. So uh, keep those uh, ideas coming. Go to the Facebook page. Bears Talk Underground. There's a thread. Start throwing in some ideas there. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at BTU underscore. Larry. So that's going to do it for part one of our same place opponent preview episodes. Number two, part number two will be on Monday when we have Brad Mater. It's Brad Mater. I was pr- mispronouncing his name last year when I was calling him Brad Mater, the trader because he's a Chicago guy that roots for the Rams, bastard. But uh, but no, Brad's a great guy, and um, his name is Mater, not Mater. He will be on the show to help us uh, preview the L.A. Rams another interesting matchup and uh, he has something to say about the nfc championship game and the no call and and all that kind of stuff and tons more about the 2019 rams i mean these are this is what a way for us to start talking about these two teams that are most likely going to be our in our way when we try to get to miami in uh, in 2020 for the super bowl uh this year those are going to be the obstacles that are going to keep us from getting there i've I fully believe that. And we might have to beat them both uh, to get there. So these are the teams that we want to know the most about so we know what we're facing uh, when that time comes. So looking forward to the, the conversation with Brad and getting things underway. Then we move on to the AFC West. We got fully stocked guests ready to go there. And I just scheduled my last uh team which was the Redskins that was the one holdout couldn't find anybody to come help me out we finally got someone to come on the show to talk about the Redskins so the AFC East is accounted for and of course our friends in the AFC North Jeremy Reisman Chris Gates Evan Western will all be back for those AFC North opponent previews uh towards the end of end of June beginning of July is when those shows uh will be taking place so Here we are. We're in the thick of it now. And before you know it, the season is the the summer is gonna disappear right out from underneath us. And training camp will be here. We'll get to the preseason. The leaves will turn colors. The Bears will kick off Thursday night against the Packers, September the fifth, the one hundredth season of the NFL, the one hundredth season of our beloved uh in the NFL. And uh before you know it, we'll be well underway and this this horrible wasteland of a dead period in the NFL schedule will be behind us. So but it's going to be fun getting there because I love doing these opponent previews and uh, look forward to uh, to our next episode with the Rams. So come back on Monday for Brad Motter from Locked on Rams to talk about the L.A. Rams. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bears Talk Underground.